Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. As we are in our time in one of those cycles of evil and judgment and those kinds of things, we have to keep our eyes on the Lord, remember who He is, remember that He's in charge, not lose heart, remember that our task isn't easy because there's plenty of resistance, but the Lord's with us. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Ezekiel chapters 1 through 5. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So God's saying, they're the most hard-hearted people, they're the most stiff-necked people, but I'm going to set you against them, and I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to give you a head that's harder than theirs, because they're going to try to prevent you from doing what I'm telling you to do, and I'm going to give you the resolve to, to stand firm. You know, sometimes when we think about a situation maybe that might arise like what if we had to what if we had to speak in front of somebody to stand up for the lord or you know, some type of an, a situation that might arise that we're intimidated by when we think about it remember this that god gives us what we need when we need it not before we need it because you know there are times when we think oh gosh i don't know what what would i do I don't know if I could stand up. I don't know if I could really be strong enough. I've heard lots of people express fear about what if persecution comes and I I just can't stand up under it. Well, what am I going to do? I don't feel like I'm strong enough. Well, you're probably not. But you will be when the time comes. Because God will give you the grace that you need for the moment when you need it. He doesn't give it to you before. And so he's telling Ezekiel. And I'm sure Ezekiel, I don't know if he's all that excited about this job that he's being drafted into. He's probably thinking, I don't know if I want to do this. This really sounds miserable. Sounds dangerous. But the Lord says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for you. I'm going I'm to give you that same kind of stubbornness, but in, in the right way. So you can persevere against their attempts. And so just moving on quickly here in uh, chapter 3, verse 14. Then the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness and in anger, of the anger of my spirit with a strong hand of the Lord on me. I came to the exiles who lived in Tel Aviv near the Kabar River, and there where they were living, I sat among them for seven days deeply distressed. So now the Lord, he's now on his mission to what God called him to do. So he goes and he sits before 
the elders. And at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to a wicked person, you will surely die and you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade them from their evil ways in order to save their life, that wicked person will die for their sin and I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked person and they do not turn from their wickedness or from their evil ways, they will die in their sin, but you will have saved yourself. Now, here God calls Ezekiel, it says, um, I've made you a watchman over your people. And so Ezekiel has this very specific appointment to go and to speak these words to them and not to withhold them. And God says, if you withhold them and they die, I'm going to hold you accountable. But if you faithfully deliver my word and they die in their sin, then you're not accountable because you, you did what I called you to do. And so he makes Ezekiel a watchman in this way. And this is what I want to emphasize. This is what God called Ezekiel to do. And the reason I say that is I have met numerous people over the years who have read this passage and thought, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. I I need to go preach to people. I need to go tell them that they're perishing. I need to go you know, give them this word of judgment. And if I don't do it, God's going to hold me accountable. That, this is not a universal calling. It's not a, it's not a general calling. This is not every Christian is now to go out and do this. This was the specific call of Ezekiel. Now, there might be Christians at certain points in time and at certain places where God takes this text and burns it on your heart and says, I want you to go speak to these people. And if that's the case, you go do it. But not only have I met people who have taken this burden on themselves that the Lord didn't put on them, but I also have seen people try to impose this burden on others. And so it doesn't have a universal, general, personal application although it might have application to you if God should choose to really speak to you in this way and you know, use you specifically in this way. But where I do think it has application today is for the church itself. So the church is to be that voice in the world. Paul says that the church is the pillar and the mainstay of the truth. And so... This is to be the voice of the church. Now, of course, this is not the only message or the entirety of the message of the church. The church's message is, of course, the gospel, the good news, the gospel of grace. There is that element in the message that that comes with warnings for those who reject it. But our, our primary message is not to go out and preach judgment. Our primary message is to go out and preach good news, the gospel. We can be saved from judgment. But I'm looking at this as more the responsibility of the church to tell the truth. See, that's the temptation that the church is facing these days. The temptation not to tell the truth because the truth is going to be offensive, because the truth is going to give people the wrong impression, uh, because 
the truth is going to get us in trouble, maybe. And so this is not new. This has happened over and over again. The church waters down its message. The church compromises its message. The church blends its message with the message of the world in certain areas so we're not offensive. And whenever the church does this, things do not go well for the church and they do not go well for the society that the church is in. The church is the pillar and the mainstay of the truth. And so God places churches in communities for a number of reasons, but one of them is to testify to the truth. People should be able to walk into a church and hear the truth. The truth as it's rooted in God's word. And so as I look at this passage, I think of it, again, not so much personally, but more, I think of it as the the calling of the church to speak the truth. And that if we do not speak the truth, if we lead people astray, if we tell people that your sin is not a problem, that you can go on living like that, that God doesn't really uh, care how you live. He just loves you. Well, God does love us for sure, but he loves us too much to let us stay the way we are. In his deep love for us, he's committed to changing us. And he changes us by telling us the truth about our lives so they can come into conformity to him. So the church must continue to do that. We have to do that. And by God's grace, we will continue to do that. Now, let's um, jump over into the fourth chapter. This is where it gets really interesting, the way God is now using Ezekiel. So, Chapter four, verse one, now son of man, take a block of clay, put it in front of you and draw the city of Jerusalem on it. Then lay lay siege to it, erect siege works against it, build a ramp up to it, set up camps against it and put battering rams around it. Then take an iron pan, Place it as an iron wall between you and the city and turn your face toward it. It will be under siege and you shall besiege it. This will be a sign to the people of Israel. So you see what's happening here. Ezekiel is to make a model of the city out of clay. And then he's to fashion an army (laughs) toy soldiers and military weapons and things like that. And and he's to build a siege around this model, this clay model of Jerusalem. And so God is using Ezekiel to literally paint a picture to them of the future of Jerusalem. And so then he goes on and he says this in verse 4. Then lie on your side and put the sin of the people of Israel upon yourself. You are to bear their sin for the number of days you lie on your side. I have assigned you the same number of days as the years of their sin. So for 390 days, you will bear the sin of the people of Israel. 
After you have finished this, lie down again, this time on your right side, and bear the sin of the people of Judah. I have assigned you 40 days, a day for each year. Turn your face toward the siege of Jerusalem, and with bared arm, prophesy against her. I will tie you up with ropes so that you cannot turn from one side to the other until you have finished the days of your siege. So, so Ezekiel is having to act all of this out. So 390 days, he has to be bound and be on one side. Now, I think as, as we read through, it's apparent that he's not like that 24-7 for 390 days. So he's, but, you know, probably when he went to bed at night, that's the position that he took. And he took that same position every single night because that was, uh, that was God's word to the people. But then it says this, take wheat and barley, beans and lentils, millet and spelt, Put them in a storage jar and use them to make bread for yourself. You are to eat it during the 390 days you lie on your side. Weigh out 20 shekels of food to eat each day and eat it at set times. Also measure out a sixth of a hen of water, three quarters of a quart of water, and drink it at set times. Eat the food as you would a loaf of barley bread. Bake it in the sight of the people using human excrement for fuel. The Lord said, in this way, the people of Israel will eat defiled food among the nations where I will drive them. So everything he's doing is an object lesson. This is, this is, this is what's going to happen. Now, Ezekiel said, now remember, Ezekiel is a priest, and the priests were, of course, very conscious of anything that would defile. And human excrement would defile you. So Ezekiel cries out and he says, Not so, sovereign Lord. I've never defiled myself from my youth until now. I have never eaten anything found dead or torn by wild animals. No impure meat has ever entered my mouth. Very well, he said. I will let you bake your bread over cow dung instead of human excrement. He said to me, Son of man, I'm about to cut off the food supply in Jerusalem. The people will eat rationed food in anxiety and drink rationed water in despair. For food and water will be scarce. They will be appalled at the sight of each other and will waste away because of their sin. So all of these things are object lessons. In the fifth chapter, we come to uh, the same kind of thing. Son of man, take now a sharp sword, use it as a barber's razor, and shave your head and your beard. Then take a set of scales, divide up the hair. When the days of your siege come to an end, burn a third of your hair inside the city. Take a third and strike it with the sword all around the city and scatter a third to the wind, for I will pursue them with drawn sword. But take a few hairs and tuck them away in the folds of your garment again, Take a few of these and throw them into the fire and burn them up. A fire will spread from there to all Israel. This is what the sovereign Lord says. This is Jerusalem, which I have set in the center of the nations with countries all around her. Yet in her wickedness, she has rebelled against my laws and decrees more than the nations and countries around her. So God's uh, complaint here in this fifth chapter is that 
out of all of the surrounding nations that were wicked nations, Jerusalem was more wicked than all of them. So the people of God end up living in ways and doing things that even the the pagans would not do. And so because of this just wholesale giving themselves over to wickedness, again, Ezekiel is just saying to the exiles what Jeremiah is saying to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, that the judgment is going to come. And so verse 12, a third of your people will die of the plague or perish by famine inside you. A third will fall by the sword outside your walls and a third I will scatter to the winds and pursue with drawn sword. And so the rest of the chapter is just um, more detail of that judgment that's going to come. So how do we apply just kind of the, the general message here. I think one thing is we have to see that history just repeats itself over and over and over. And oftentimes, I think we're tempted in our time to think our times are unique. And we, we are tempted to even think that our times are uniquely wicked And yet, when you look at biblical history, not even counting secular history, but if you just look at biblical history, you see that that is not the case. You see that there's this cycle just repeats itself over and over and over and over again. And nations and and people groups, just like in the very beginning, Of course, there was a great start in the beginning and then sin entered in and everything spiraled down and then God had to start over again. So he brings a judgment through the flood and then they come out the other side of the flood and everything is good and then things start spiraling down again and pretty soon God has to bring another judgment and he disperses the people, confuses their languages. Then he takes a family Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And once again, he's building a a community of his people for his purposes. And then they spiral down and go into judgment. And that's where we're at in the story of Ezekiel. But there will be a reversal of these things. And in the end, the Lord will accomplish his ultimate plan and purpose of establishing his glory throughout the whole earth and having a people that are his people that will love and serve him forever. That's where things are headed. And as we are in our time in in one of those cycles of evil and judgment and those kinds of things, We have to keep our eyes on the Lord, like I said initially. Remember who he is. Remember that he's in charge. Not lose heart. Remember that our task isn't easy because there's plenty of resistance, but the Lord's with us. And we're called to speak the truth because 
even in the midst of a rebellious generation, there are still those upon whose hearts the word will fall and it will penetrate the soil of their hearts and bring forth fruit. The thing is, we just don't know who's who. (laughs) We, We don't know who those people are. And the thing we have to not do is prejudge who will and who will not respond. Because isn't it true so often we look at certain people and we think, oh no, don't want to talk to them. We would even look at certain groups of people and say, oh God, never send me there. Maybe like Jonah. Lord, don't send anybody to the Ninevites, just destroy them. That's the best thing you could possibly do for them. That's what Jonah thought. God said, actually, I'm going to send you to them. I'm not going to destroy them. I'm going to deliver them. So let's not, let's not think that we know who and who is not a candidate for salvation. Let's recognize that Christ died for everyone. And so everyone is potentially a candidate for salvation. And let's just cast the seed out and see where it lands and trust the Lord. And even if it is being pushed back against, that's okay. It's always happened. It's not anything new. But you never know. You might have 10 people pushing back against you and one person is ready to hear it. And that one person is a person that God God is going to use. Maybe with those other nine people that you couldn't get through to, maybe that one person will. See, we just never know. So even though we're in dark times, relatively speaking, let's not lose heart and let's not forget the Lord and let's not forget the power of his word. And let's make ourselves available to do our part to get God's word to people. And yeah, in some cases, God's going to call us to warn people. Jude puts it beautifully. He says, save some with compassion and others with fear. And, you know, some people need that compassionate word of God's mercy and grace and all that. That's what they need. That's what they're going to respond to. You know, some people actually need to be warned. And we can't forget that. And let the Spirit lead us in regard to which is which, for who. And now, let's join Pastor Brian and Cheryl in the studio as they share about this month's resource. So, Brian, we're offering a book from our good friend, Charlie Campbell. Yes, Charlie Campbell is the director of Always Be Ready, which is an apologetics ministry. And one website. we recommend a lot. Yeah, we recommend it a lot. And this is a one-minute answer to skeptics. Now, Charlie has done this book, and this is like a revised version, answering 50 of the top objections and questions 
kind of current things. You know, things change over time. There are different arguments and things. And what I like about this book is it's it's an updated current addressing a lot of the things that people are kind of throwing out there today as their objections to Christianity. And some of the topics that Charlie covers in this is why doesn't God just appear to us in a public setting and prove he exists? Or the New Testament authors, did they steal details of Jesus' life story from other ancient religions? This is what some skeptics say. Or that the God of the Old Testament commanded the Israelites to commit genocide? Or that the Bible condones slavery? So these are real issues in our society today, and Charlie tells you a biblical answer for these things, and it's great. So great little one-minute answer to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. That's our offer for this month. Again, this month's resource is a book titled One-Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. You can order the book One-Minute Answers to Skeptics by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book, The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Brian Broderson. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ezekiel. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.